0: welcome to switcheroo a dirty little podcast about religion
1: sex and all the in-between parts with your hosts maggie baxter an atheist turned evangelical and nick vu an evangelical turned atheist cool. just don't use those hard plosives <laughs> right into the mic
2: what a plosive all over you
1: <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't have plosive on me <laughs>
2: It'll be consensual. I just
1: took a shower <laughs> oh, Just not annoying. in the eyes <laughs> okay. Just not in the eyes Please Ah, it burns
2: I was sitting in the backyard Sipping on a to drink I saw a girl standing there She was mowing the lawn I, I said, hey, Zizig, who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl, what's she doing? Is she chugging on the telephone?
1: This is my dear friend, Sarah, and my dear friend, Jonathan. Welcome to Switcher, the podcast.
2: Thank you. Thanks
1: for having us. Good to have you here. There's a very good reason why you're here, and that's because Nick said, we haven't had any Christians on our show yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where are th- my Christians at?
1: Don't you have any Christian friends? Aren't you <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you just recently <laughs> stop going to church? <laughs> uh I've got some Christian friends. But Have you divulged I, that uh, on the
2: podcast that you stopped going to church?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to church tomorrow. I still go to church. Okay, so you <laughs> still work at yeah. a church. I still technically get a paycheck from the church.
2: <laughs> Wait a second.
1: So, so <laughs> you're
2: posing as you left the church.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm a lie. I'm a. i am My life is yeah. a lie.
2: <laughs> it's so that you appear edgy to our listenership right
1: it's like I well I would say I don't identify as a Christian What you don't or you do no I would say I don't
2: Hmm. oh shit do we have to change our theme song (laughs) well it
1: does say evangelical yeah I mean
3: how how do you how do you define that word it's
2: all very loose I don't call myself an atheist either so it's all it's all coming out this
1: whole podcast is a lie
2: and it is yes (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. just a bunch of liars <laughs> lying liars
2: yeah i mean there's a big chunk of us that are in those categories though yes. still Agreed. we are complicated multifaceted people
1: oh yes thank you have you heard um yes i want to know will you guys tell us your pronouns she her
3: he him
2: if we ever make you uncomfortable jonathan and sarah you can tell us to I, is there back. a
0: threshold i, I did think- blush once <laughs> while listening to oh one of the episodes. which part yeah with it with the kink one
2: <laughs> well i mean they're they're all kind of kinky
0: oh it's true touche it was talking in it the back. title um it was <laughs> it was <laughs> when you were talking about what your uh like fantasies were oh yeah and i yeah. blushed i did a little blush um, oh, uh whose fantasy was, was it mine or maggie's? or maggie's it was yours but... nick um because <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about, <laughs> about come and yeah, like i was talking think. Well, oh, who knew? My. Who knew yes. that that is uh, gonna make me turn a little red? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you were like, I thought I was the only one.
2: <laughs> you can't say that out loud.
0: <laughs> so, but that was like the one time to have a little blush. I'm not that worried about.
2: Okay, our goal is to make you blush again during. The that. You well, that. you know what's you funny, it. and we'll call it out.
0: Our little people are gone today. We have two kids, and they are not here for the weekend and so I brought a bottle of wine down to drink during yeah um the podcast taping and I bought intentionally menage a trois brand (laughs) wine (laughs) because I thought it was funny
2: (laughs) I love it oh man should I pour a little drink for Um, myself right um, now a little uh, afternoon delight
1: maybe I should have a I don't get to day drink ever let's
0: get real sloppy you guys
1: Sarah, can you tell people what you're doing right now? Um, I'm pump- pumping. Is that what you're you pumping? You yes. yes. I'm, yeah. I am
0: lactating breast milk out of my nipples to give to my seven-month-old
1: child. So we're on Zoom right now, and I feel it's like this I motion. should be, Wait, be seeing this motion or like this motion, and I thought it would oh, be- like funny. a cow. Yeah. Yes. I am very like much butters. like a bovine. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> How close no. are humans to bovines in the animal phylum kingdom
2: not, situation? <laughs> not. Well, I mean, I think we share like ninety-eight percent of our genes, With chromosomes. Cows? I don't, I don't know anything. With
0: pigs, we do share quite a few. But I, I, mean, I that think is-
2: even a carrot, we'd share like
3: sixty-five <laughs> percent or something. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's the four stomachs, though, of the cow that I think separate us quite distinctly.
2: Mm, and the Hoven Cloves. Yeah, Hoven cloves.
0: Yeah.
2: Hoven cloves. <laughs> yes. I haven't even started reading them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be good. <laughs>
0: oh Hovind cloves! Very excited. Just-
2: so Maggie, you you uh mentioned that you wanted to bring them on for a specific reason, not just because these are Christians. Yes. Wait, so- actually, can we? can we st- i'm gonna cut you off on my own question that I asked and uh ask how how do you define Christianity like what does that identity mean to you
1: yeah, and do you
0: actually identify as Christians
3: yeah
0: uh Jonathan lives at thirty thousand feet, so that's a dangerous question for him <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I mean well, I mean I can say like yes, I do identify as Christian, and that is what I would say my beliefs are. My relationship with the American church, especially institutionally, like that, I have no clue where that sits. I find rela- relationships with other Christians to be an important part of my faith and discussing with other people faith and spirituality and belief like, is an important part of who I am what the purpose is of gathering on a Sunday morning to like wave at your friends and then leave an hour later. I'm less certain that there is value in that.
1: So kind of traditional parameters around what makes a a Christian and Christian that maybe other people would understand you have pulled apart a little bit.
3: A lot of Christian culture, it just doesn't serve any purpose. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what What is your, I don't know, in your day-to-day life, what are some routines or like things you do that help you embody this title of Christianity?
3: Uh, I work for a faith-based nonprofit, so producing a weekly prayer service. So I spend a lot, a lot of time reading the Bible and writing prayers and thinking about how to help people have contemplative meditative experiences.
2: Wow. Okay. So you're, you're pretty deep in it. It sounds like
3: (laughs)
1: vocational ministry.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: Sarah, do you identify as a Christian? I do identify as a
0: Christian. I'm liking that term and label less and less because it's so fraught globally and in the American, the white evangelical church but where i'm at with my faith right now is that i want to have a relationship with jesus i find jesus to be a meaningful person in history but i feel disconnected to access to jesus whether that's by my own inabilities or because i'm struggling so much with the concept of church as i've known it or because the theologies that i have known my whole life do not no longer fit uh, what I see in the world there's certainly a disconnect I feel very strongly towards Jesus as a person but I I like my theology very messy so I feel like people can be Christians and queer which is not something that my theology growing up would have told me that was true right you guys talked a few weeks about being Christian and a witch I'm like I don't see that to be problematic um, which people in the theological circles I run in now would find to be very problematic. So I feel like I can call myself a Christian because of how I feel about Jesus. Other people may want to remove that label from me because <clears throat> I like my theology a little bit messier than they prefer.
2: Mm, I like that idea of messy theology. <laughs> I do too. That's dope.
1: I've never, I've never heard you describe it like that. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to just mention that I met Sarah and Jonathan through church through work in vocational ministry and through partnerships in shared vocational ministry. And Sarah became a really dear friend through um, the beginning of a global pandemic. And I know we like to keep our content evergreen on this show, but as this pandemic continues to roll on and on, like, (laughs) like the mighty Columbia river, (laughs) I feel that, it's safe to say that I became friends with Sarah when we were not allowed to be in person with one another. And we developed a very close friendship despite that, which I think has kind of made us trench warfare buddies. (laughs) Like We have a shared trauma with the rest of the world. And we grew together in friendship through that process.
0: And I will say, I know we're going to jump there eventually, but Maggie was the first person I came out to as I'm bisexual. And I did not know how to define that until like 2019. Um, But because Maggie was so lovely and warm and wonderful in our And we had gin and
1: tonics and. (laughs) Gin and tonics and sat on the back
0: porch. And I think you asked me, do you ever wish you were part of the queer community? And I was like, well, let's unpack that a little. (laughs) But it was because I didn't know you very well, and I had nothing to lose by telling you, versus telling other people where I could have lost something. And I think that bonded us pretty quickly as well, yeah, because we have some shared identification too.
3: Yeah.
2: Did you know Maggie was queer at the time?
0: Uh, when no, you I don't think I did. Told her. Okay. I think yeah, I knew you, it- you were affirming it within a church context that you affirmed right. queer identities in church, but I don't think I knew that you were.
1: Interesting. Did I tell you immediately? I feel like I must have told
0: yeah, you immediately. Yeah, I think and it was like, like, oh,
3: like
0: <laughs> it was one of those, uh, yeah, like, oh my gosh, you too, me too. Yes, we're Yay. in it together. So,
1: But then there was a year of kind of exploring that within our church community, kind of the process of coming out. And within the course of that year was also the first time I came out in a church setting, which is some big steps for both of us in our spiritual lives and sex lives (laughs) the one of the shared like intersections that we have is that we are both queer women in monogamous heterosexual marriages that to a christian community can look quite traditional from the outside if there's no work being done (laughs) which makes it really easy to tell who your friends are (laughs) <laughs> like who's who's willing to know me well enough to know that I'm not a straight person, <laughs> but it's also strange to be uh, not heterosexual and have that identity. Sarah, you said bi, so that's that is a label you would put on yourself.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about this that I probably am pan, except in this monogamous relationship, have never experienced relationships with other people other than straight dudes, but what I know about myself is that I am more attracted to a person than their genitalia (laughs) or their gender expression. And there's a label that I've learned in the last couple years as well that's demisexual, Mm -hmm. demisexual. And I probably would relate to that even more so than the label of who I'm sexually attracted oh. to because. Would you like
2: to describe what demisexual is? Yeah, yeah,
0: tell me. Tell me. I don't really know this one. The way I understand it, and Demi's come at me in the comments, is that <laughs> the, the relationship to the person is what drives you to a sexual relationship. The sexual attraction is not the primary. So I am not, when I look at a person, I am not always sexually attracted to them, even if I want to be in a romantic relationship with them. Mm -hmm. It is my relationship to the person in like view of a friendship or this deep intimate connection that then drives me to want to be sexually engaged with them.
2: Can I add on to your definition? Please do. I mean, I think you said it all very well. Yeah. Usually I think of intimacy being required for sexual attraction Mm -hmm. to bubble Mm up.
3: Yes. So so like one night stands are usually not very
2: (laughs) gimme.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And there's certainly things that, uh, and we can get into purity culture if you want to, but I wonder how much of that was driven by the fact that like, I can't even imagine having sex with, I mean, I can imagine it like having sex with people that aren't someone I'm in love with, you know, and how much of that is also body shame and the way that I like allow people to perceive my body which sex is a very intimate way of doing that, you know? So I think that's all kind of mixed together and I can't pull those threads apart fully, but I think that that's why I probably identify with the Demi label even before the attraction or sexual orientation label. But nobody knows what that is, so I don't talk about it very much. And to come out as bi was one hurdle. I did not even think that I could start the conversation by saying I'm probably pan, (laughs) you know? Because like I, I could see... And I've said this to you before, that if you decided that at whatever point in your life, your journey was taking you to be more femme, or you felt like you needed to change who you were in your gender expression, that would not be a deterrent for me. Because I'm not attracted to Jonathan as a cis man, I'm attracted to Jonathan as a human person.
1: As a spirit.
2: Yeah. That's dope. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan what um, I don't one thing that I don't know anything about is what was the first hour like when you guys first had that conversation
3: one of the things that Sarah and I have talked about as framing for our marriage is that we don't look at it as change over time and you becoming a different person we've talked about language more like, always becoming who you are. Um, And that what's exciting to me about being married to Sarah and knowing Sarah is that every time she shares something about herself, it's like, oh, cool. I know a new way to love you. Or like, I know you more deeply than I did before.
2: (laughs) Maggie's crying. That's fine. So everyone
3: knows. (laughs) So on the scale of things that can come up in a conversation, That was a more easy one to be like, oh cool! I'm glad I get to know that about you now because like, oh, I also am attracted to women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we share that. Like, interest. I get it. <laughs> yeah, um, they're dope. So that's yeah. It it was not. It's not something that like gave me panic attacks or something. I was just like, cool. Thanks for sharing uh, that.
1: Another new thing. Yeah. Fun. I love. I love that description of we are becoming who we are instead of we are changing cuz I know in my marriage that change is a big scary word it's a four letter word like fuck and I know that it's going to happen but what a better way of framing it that there is a person and <laughs> and things will come in and go out of that person like penises
2: <laughs> like
0: penises <laughs>
2: Yes. I don't know if this is worth exploring, but uh, Amanda, my partner, and I, we always talk about how we're always evolving. So this is, I think, kind of like a counterpoint to how you all are framing things because we do have an open relationship and we see other people. And she was living in Berlin for a long time. And they're just like, there's a lot of change. And I guess we found that the best way to roll with things was to recognize that things will always be changing Mm -hmm. and that we will be changing and that we are not static. I don't know. Where does that framing or perspective, I guess, fit in to, because I think both are beautiful. Yeah. And maybe, maybe this is too philosophical, but I'm curious, what do you think of, of that view of things? Everything changes.
0: I think that's it's true, right? Like we're not <laughs> the same people we were. I don't want to be the same person I was 10 years ago. Right. Right. Right? And yeah. I don't want to be the same person 10 years from now that I am right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's not being a person. If we're not growing or changing, yeah. then we're not being people. We're just robots. And I really have a deep phobia of robots. we can explore that later but it's deep and intrinsic so the fact that we are always changing feels good and i think in our marriage when we got together we were like we are people we want to change together with so it felt like i'm here for the ride and there's going to be things that i like and things that i don't like (laughs) and we have to work through those i would rather grow with him and see him change than not be with him
3: yeah and I would I would say it's not not a contrasting view but more of a like an understanding that that it's it's not a contrast of saying of looking at change as bad but a pushback against the idea when people express i feel like something's changed and that's scary it's mm. a way of like managing that change as saying like sure you've changed but you're still you and yeah. you are what i love and desire and that's exciting to see this new part of you.
2: I like that. It like, it frames it. Yeah. What to do with this change Mm -hmm. and how to metabolize it.
0: Yeah. Well, and to bring it into the sexy times, if we can go there in our relationship, I've always had the highest libido always. And that was something that we had to like, kind of work through when we first got together. And that was kind of normal until we had our first kid, which I'm going to refer to as thing one. And after that, my libido dropped pretty drastically, but it bounced back. And now I'm seven months postpartum after having a very terrible pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So it's been like a year and change of no libido, very low interest in sex. And that's a different change to our relationship that is not necessarily positive. Mm
1: -hmm. And we've had
0: to struggle through that. But the point that we're at where we say change doesn't have to be scary or negative, it just is. And we're going to kind of be with each other. And Who I come out on the other side because my body has changed so dramatically. My hormone levels have changed. Maybe I still don't have the libido I had, you know, when we got together eight years ago, but I'm a different person and can walk through that and it can be okay. Even as we explore what that change looks like in our sex life, that doesn't mean it's not hard or is it? Um.
1: <laughs> Sex joke.
2: That's the new, that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> or is it? Or like is that. it?
1: <laughs> uh, I love there's a very popular self help person whose tagline, her slogan is, We can do hard things. <laughs> and I just, yes, we can. I just snicker every time. <laughs> we can do hard things.
0: I would pause it to say that it's far easier.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's easier to do hard things than soft things. Than soft things. <laughs> <laughs> Penises. Correct. Oh, wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> Nick, yes. because you have kind of an extensive uh, or a more extensive knowledge of pornography. I know everything uh,
2: about pornography.
1: You know some <laughs> about pornography. Uh, is there porn that's just flaccid penises like trying to be stuffed in things
2: oh pushing rope
0: <laughs> oh i love that that was just, like top
1: of mind for you like term right there t- t- you know the term
2: i haven't been exposed to that type of pornography
1: okay but it is a thing and you
0: just made I, it
2: well i mean when we talk about not being able to get hard somebody might say like yeah they were trying to push rope
0: Okay. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. It,
2: it's just a phrase. I don't know that okay. it's, a, it's not a scene as far as I know. Okay. Um, but I have heard of people who like penises in their mouth, but when they're rigid, their gag reflex triggers right. more easily. And so they actually prefer softer penises in their mouths. That's nice. There's, there's plenty of people who like flaccid penises. Okay. I don't know if there's porn. I don't know if it's being filmed. Okay. And like people are getting off on it. I mean, Maybe.
0: Maggie, would you please Google that? <laughs>
2: okay. Google flaccid you guys, penis.
1: You guys talk amongst yourselves, <laughs> and I'm going to get on Pornhub real quick and look up flaccid penises.
2: Hey, this is actually a good question. Our, uh, following our last episode where we talked all about porn, how do you two feel about porn in your relationship?
0: <sighs> that oh, yeah, because you're Christians. Because we're Christians. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that has been an evolving conversation. We both grew up in conservative Christian environments, evangelical Christian environments, where porn was not at all an option. And boys could e- masturbate. Even,
3: even though everyone was watching it. Right. It was bad and wrong.
1: Yeah. And everyone everyone, was addicted.
0: And,
2: like, everyone was addicted. and everyone was addicted. Yes.
1: Yes.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. If addicted. Yeah. If yep. you've seen it once, you're addicted.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. And guys anticipated that they were going to masturbate and it was wrong, but that women were not. Like girls, it wasn't even on the table to talk about. Because guys are visual and women are
1: emotional. And it's so easy when you've got the tool and you don't have to have an external tool.
0: Yeah. So when we came into our marriage, I think we both came with that mindset for both of us. I had never watched porn. You had. Yeah. But I didn't know. And it was probably year two of being married. And I'd been traveling quite a bit. And I asked him one night laying in bed, have you ever watched porn? While i've been gone and i expected him to say no and he didn't he said yes and it was like i left the house like we i couldn't talk to him for three days oh, and wow. like it yeah. was a it was the biggest fight of our marriage and he cried and i cried because that's what you were supposed to do and so then like i made you like, download covenant eyes on your laptop and your phone <laughs> wait, wait what is that it's like a porn blocker <gasps> it's
2: covenant like, eyes wow
3: it's oh, it's not really? a it's not a blocker, it's a tracker that <laughs> follows everywhere you go online and sends reports to whoever you want to send them to. And so
0: you were sending reports oh, like to like people in our community to like be accountable to them for wow. what you were watching and looking at online.
2: Jonathan, may I ask if you were were you hiding the fact up until that point that you were looking at porn or keeping it quiet? You seemed ready to admit. Yeah. So that you're doing that.
3: It's easy to hide something that doesn't come up in conversation. <laughs> and it's also a just a, a more of a relationship decision of there are things that you can not talk about and not lie. And then there are opportunities in a relationship where somebody asks you a question and you kind of have to choose, like, am I going to lie about this or not? Yeah. Um, I don't say that to allude that i have like some great moral compass but it's just that's in the moment (laughs) well i could lie about this or i could risk giving you an honest answer and crossing my fingers (laughs) so and are you surprised by the reaction no i don't think so
0: i think we were both trained to that reaction you should have
3: sarah alluded to this a tiny bit but just that our general backgrounds we both come from church traditions that would be considered conservative, but Sarah comes from an extremely conservative tradition. And I'm more of like a toast, middle of the road conservative tradition. So We're up the
0: Southern Baptists. Yeah. Oh, Southern Baptist. Yeah, I know. So that's,
3: that there's some difference. <laughs> there's ways in, in which I was raised in a church culture that said porn was bad, but kind of like that was the entire conversation. There was no like, you're going to get a demon or wild spiritual warfare kinds of things. It was just occasionally at youth group, they would be like, don't look at dirty pictures. Mm -hmm. And that was it.
1: What about now? Like, how has that changed? How have you guys become more of who you are Um, in the last couple of years?
2: You watch tons of porn together. So much porn together,
1: It's
0: again. just all the time porn. Day in, day out.
3: <laughs> in, uh, in all of our free time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can't even have sex. How can we watch porn? <laughs> yeah, I think after we kind of went through that, it was within another, it was probably two years before I could admit, because I'd been working on like figuring out, I always knew that I was attracted to women. It was always a sin, right? Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, the only person before Maggie that I'd ever admitted it to was my best friend in college. And she told me she would pray for me. That was that was it. Like that's all.
1: That's so, so funny. So Cause funny. in the conversation that you and I had, I, I said, can I pray for you as a joke? And you had a visceral horror <laughs> reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate.
2: It's triggering.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so figuring out how to verbalize to Jonathan, like I'm attracted to women. Cause I told him as a part of processing this, I don't think this is sin. I think this is who I am, can we talk about it? And so then over the last, that's been two years, three years since then, three years since you and I started having that conversation, we have watched some porn together, feeling like, is this a way that we can engage our sex life in a different way? Because my libido is so shot? porn can help. But I think it also, I struggle a little bit with it because I am afraid of the exploitative nature of some porn and don't know how to reconcile my feelings about how to engage in sex work that is not exploitative. So that's, I think, where the struggle is. I think we would be more willing if we could figure out how it isn't harmful.
1: And I if know they call up the stars and say, hey, are you good? Are you, are you
0: okay? <laughs> well, and like, I think it's like, are we paying for porn? or Are we getting it free online? Right? Like there's not that getting it free online is bad because that's how we've watched it. But that's where my struggle is. Parts of the pornography industry that are harmful to people, not all of it, certainly across the board, like that's not true, but that's just something I have to figure out how to engage it better. And I think it would feel better as part of our relationship.
1: (laughs) I got to ask about ladies, because this is something that has been a real challenge for me was knowing that I've been queer and I have dated women in the past and been intimate with women, but getting married to a hetero man and committing to monogamy, especially for you, is there part of you that's like, I haven't experienced that part of my sexuality and I missed something of another good friend of mine was married to a man, a woman married to a man and was in a monogamous relationship and then came out and their marriage ended about a year after and in large part because she was like, I have to explore this. I didn't know when we got married and now I know, and I can't do this the way that we've been doing it and their marriage ended. So what does that look like for you? I know what it looks like for me. And sometimes it sucks, but like, sometimes it's great.
0: I've struggled with coming out at all because I didn't have a relationship with a woman prior to being able to verbally admit it. There is certainly part of my heart that goes, who could I have been if I had been allowed to do this, if it hadn't been labeled a sin, if I'd been able to explore that? I don't like to think in terms of regret because I don't think that serves anything. But I do wonder who I would have been as a different person now. And then I also think like I would have landed with Jonathan. He's, a, he's my person, right? I don't believe in soulmates or anything. I think we all have choices. But had I been presented with the option of <laughs> like a human with boobs or Jonathan, I think, <laughs> you know, I wasn't attracted to the genitalia, right? <laughs> uh, I was attracted to Jonathan. So yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to know how I feel. I tried to find a therapist to <laughs> walk through that process. And I have had very bad experiences with the therapist that I partnered with because the first one was just like, oh, well, in Seattle, you can just go explore that part of you. It's very easy to access that. And I was like, I don't think you're hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not interested necessarily in in finding other partners besides Jonathan. I feel very committed to this relationship. And that's where I want to stay. I don't want to necessarily gain all this other intimacy with other people and then explore the sexual experiences with them. But that was her answer to my, I have this feeling of loss or grief around who I could have been. It was, it was oh, like, just go get it. Just go, yeah, go have sex with whoever you want.
2: Um, which, I mean, that's a universal condition, right? Sexuality aside, like yeah. what would have happened if I took that job or exactly. if I yeah. went through with the move that mm-hmm. I was planning to to mm-hmm. go across the country?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like a weird strategy for your therapist to say, Well, just go get that other job that you can take. Like, well, that doesn't work. Yeah. I did get a lot of links
0: about um, poly communities in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so I learned, uh, we learned quite a bit about that because we were like, we're going to look at these, but that's not the answer here. (laughs) Not that's for us. That doesn't make the most sense for our relationship. There's some, some grief to it, but not, not so overwhelming that we can't continue in our current relationship. I think that's where we're
2: at. Yeah. At the risk of going down the road of your therapist would even like, I don't know, making out with a woman be revealing to you or it doesn't have to be go bang somebody. Right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it could even be even uh, texting or going to get coffee without any sexuality involved just like experiencing that intimacy i don't know and i'm not i'm not trying to pressure you into like going down that road but yeah. could That's there so be a way, way to to lightly explore that doesn't cross the boundaries that you've established
0: well and we've talked about that because if my fantasy is being with a woman and his fantasy is being with a woman adding multiple women
2: that works out really you know,
0: well. i mean <laughs> <laughs> um and i butt up against the purity culture that my brain is steeped in, my gray matter in my brain is like a tangled mess of theology. And so how to figure out what what is new, healthy, sexual engagement or intimate engagement that feels good for us, even if it's different than what I knew before. So one of the things that we both value is open, honest communication. So how do we explore a relationship outside of our marriage with somebody that is totally open and honest, but doesn't exploit a person. So like the thought of, oh, let's just be in a threesome doesn't feel good because what does that other person need? Are we giving them what they need or is it all taking from us? So trying to figure out how to honor our own values.
2: I mean, that can work for a lot of birds, I will say the, the <laughs> quote unquote unicorn, the third for me, like if someone wanted called me up and is like, Hey, we just want to use you for sex. I'm like, yes, yeah, sign me up. Please. That's exactly <laughs> what I want. Uh, use my body. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, kick me out after and I'm real good.
0: Well, I think, I that, think <clears throat> being Demi is that it's hard to like, think about how that goes without establishing that intimate Uh, Connection
2: prior
0: to right yeah yeah so so and I feel I land a little bit more before I even get to that point. Mm
1: -hmm. There's also that sense of if there's intimacy, like emotional intimacy, created, does that threaten the covenant marriage Mm -hmm. or the like Mm -hmm. the intimacy of the marriage that you guys have developed? And Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying that is has definitely entered the conversation with me and my husband is. If it's about the other person, what if I fall in love with another person? That's a lot more threatening than what if I have sex with another person? Because the relationship that we have established is based on not falling in love with other people. (laughs) So that feels like a breach of contract in a way, our established contract around things.
3: There was like a decade before we ever met, there was a, a girl that I liked where I was working and a bunch of coworkers knew that. And... Then she got engaged. And there were several people that really tried to pressure me to like, hey, you need to go to her and tell her that you like her and that this is a mistake that she's that she's gotten engaged to this guy. Uh And I pushed back and I was like, this is real life. I like her. That'd be great on a movie. (laughs) She's like she's made a decision and like to just kind of run in and like throw a grenade into into her impending marriage. Because I enjoyed going to Costco on weekends together. It's easy to think about, in in the context of a conversation, it's easy to like throw out just scenarios and be like, hey, this would work great. It's like, yeah, that would work great. Who knows if that's how it actually goes.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think one of the other things too is would we, as people who want to change and evolve and experience new things, the fear of being cast from the Christian community is certainly real, right? And so like, let's say we decided we wanted to get a third person involved with us sexually. We were gonna establish this relationship that was not part of our, we're not gonna have a third person parent our child, our children, right? It was just part of our sexual relationship. The what about-ism of what would the people in our churches say? Would we be allowed to continue going to church? Would they say that we could no longer take communion? Those are very real fears that I'm not sure that we can begin to parse through because they're so intimately tied to our lives. Our friend group is church people. How we clothe our kids is church people, right? Like there's buckets of clothes that we go and get from people that we all share clothes together, like meals when we're sick, church people. And so to toss something in there that is outside of what the theology says is appropriate or right, whether or not we feel like it's okay, could have really deep ramifications for our actual lives.
1: It's really interesting because the implication would be that you let other people in the church know that this is happening. And that it was like a thing that you were open up about that you would tell church people. And this is something I've thought about a lot. In the last couple of years, I've had a couple people who are in poly or open marriages or not heterosexual monogamous (laughs) one-on-one relationships. I I wanted to say traditional in (laughs) non-traditional, but like only traditional for the Christian community. Right. So, and I've had a couple people who are in those non-traditional relationships be like, I'm interested in church. That is like a really sad and scary thing for me that people who are in Communities or relationships that are not accepted by the church can't come and explore. But that's especially an interesting thought to me when it comes to poly or open marriages, where where the Bible doesn't very clearly say very much about any of that. And that the idea of a one-on-one marriage between a man and a woman is a much more modern construct than, say, even the idea of homosexuality in the bible it's a lot more approved of than, mm-hmm. than like it it would be more approved of in like post jesus greece for a man to have many wives right anyway uh I want to snap and- like we're in
0: a poetry slam
1: but i don't think that's mm-hmm. good on a podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> it can close but that like that is something the church is going to have to deal with cuz more and more and more it's becoming more and more accepted and normal and beautiful (laughs) for people to be poly. And it's stupid to say like people can't be poly and also explore the Christianity. Yeah. And the church will die if, if the church
2: does not open its doors to you're totally poly. Aren't you, Maggie? You're, you're hiding closeted.
1: (laughs) I I mean, accept me, please. (laughs) (laughs) i just want acceptance
3: i saw a uh researcher recently who was going back through like presenting in like new bodies of research on christianity in america specifically but talking more broadly about if you track i guess i shouldn't say talking more broadly because they were specifically talking about america but that like the perception of America as a Christian nation, or that, that that Christians in America see Christianity as the norm and attendance of Sunday church as the as the norm, that the peak church attendance really is like in the 1950s or 60s. That there's actually growing bodies of research saying that really colonial America there there wasn't any kind <laughs> of oh, I didn't see you this Sunday. Where were you? Like yeah. that there have always been church communities, but that the idea that everyone in, a, in colonial America went to church is just false.
1: Hogwash, you might say,
3: yeah.
2: in colonial so, America.
3: Another thing on the pile of, oh, boomer childhood is not reality. Oh, huh, interesting.
2: <laughs> Sarah, have you disclosed to other church friends that you are bi? And yeah, I'm are out they... to everybody
0: but my parents and his okay. parents. So um, parents, if you're listening,
1: <laughs> What's your email address? I'm just gonna send them, <laughs> like, shoot them a shoot a Malankor.
2: You're you're talking about if you ever went down the open marriage road, you would be really worried about disclosing that aspect. Are are your friends ousting you, or any? I mean, are they uh, challenging your Christian identity because of your queerness?
0: Um, no.
2: And you feel like the open relationships would be just a step beyond what they can roll with.
0: And I think when I refer to that, it's more the church leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. my Steps. my, Steps. <laughs> my <laughs> friend group are my friends because they're my people. And I trust that we have shared values. So I think they are the people willing to grow in friendship with me as I change and evolve, as I am willing to do for them. It's people in church leadership. And some of those overlap and some of uh, more and more increasingly, those are no longer overlapping Venn diagrams that I am not in close friendships with people in church leadership. But when I came out to people at church, you were an elder. I was. And then I became an elder and I was our first out elder, but it did not matter because I was in a straight presenting relationship.
1: I think I tried to start this by asking about like, how do you, grieve the fact that this is not a thing. And I think that just gets into identity and a little bit about by erasure, but how do you hold an identity when you're not practicing an identity? And that's been really challenging for me. And I really only came out to church leadership in general because I was watching other people be excluded with the like very broad understanding within church leadership that nobody in this room identifies as queer. Mm-hmm. So like we can exclude people because we're all straight. And I was like, I yep. can't let you guys do that. Cause yep. I'm not. <laughs> so well, like, And you and I've sat in
0: those meetings where people said, when they come, we will be nice to them. And I had to yeah. keep going. They are here. They're here. They're here. Yeah. And it's really challenging because if you are in a straight presenting relationship, or you are in a single person who is not in, relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Cause honestly, that's what we're dealing with right now. It's just people who are in same sex relationships. That is the big fear. That is where the challenge is. Nobody cares that I am attracted to women because I'm not acting on my attraction. Nobody yeah. cares. If that yeah. did, that Even would the be the people
1: problem. That's like the real mindfuck of church leadership, having a problem with same sex couples in general is that they're not actually worried about your thought life nope. or your fantasies or your orientation at all. They are only worried about perception mm-hmm. of affirmation or not.
0: Yeah. Although watch us get some phone calls after this. <laughs> because it <laughs> to be like, I don't know, extra boobs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> More boobs is always good. Yeah. I
0: mean uh, church plus and plus out. boobs plus boobs all the time.
2: All the Unless boobs. you're
0: lactating and then it's a whole different game.
1: <laughs>
0: thank um, you for laughing at that joke Nick I appreciate that
1: I have to ask a real quick um, probably really degrading question but do you guys share any celebrity crushes no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so totally different taste.
0: yeah yeah. although maybe Ashley Graham Ashley Graham is like my like, yeah there's times I like I can't watch her Instagram <laughs> you have to them, turn it off because then Girl. there's
2: lust in your heart
0: so
1: much, so much, you have to cut both of your eyes
0: out, yeah, I would gouge them out, um and then Lizzo's <laughs> my other, just i and then I'll just tell you, Diane Keaton, I got the hots for Diane Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's so fucking sexy those, those <laughs> and she is wild, and I just want to like be in her life anyway, and yours are very. Mainstream.
1: Yeah. I'm, can, I, can I take a stab? I'm yeah. guessing like Natalie
3: Portman. Would
0: be in that, in that vein. I mean, the, yeah. the way that Sarah okay, talked, like,
3: talked about how Pan and Demi and quote unquote non-sexual attraction, if I can briefly yeah. say that, is a lot of my celebrity crushes is more crushes on women who have played the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I'm very cliche. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: what is a Manic Pixie Dream Girl?
3: The kind of like quirky, cute Natalie Portman in Garden State, or uh, Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer, or Mm -hmm. Scarlett Johansson in Lost in Translation, or Maggie Gyllenhaal in Stranger Than Fiction.
0: Got it. Yeah, you told me Scarlett Johansson when we were like first together, and I was like, "Mm, no, not. I'm I'm
2: real into Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) I don't really have celebrity crutches, though. They just seem... There are parts of me that are very dimmy for sure. And celebrities, they're in some other world that I don't access. And so I'm just like I, do, I, I can do. see that you're attractive, but there are people in my life I'd much rather bang.
0: Yeah. For dudes though, mine is like the weird guy. Jason Siegel is like my fate. He is my
1: dude crush. The the big doofy guy from How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Nick, who are you attracted to? What's your f- type?
2: My friends. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about this. I mostly just you're attracted to me only these these days. Yeah, only you. I only have eyes for you. Oh <laughs> Did I tell you when I told my mom that you were getting married? She got like real upset, and oh, I, think no. I I'm pretty sure she thought that we were going we to something. I don't oh, know, no. but like
3: it's nothing we, love we ever
2: each had. A co- and I was like, what? What is this reaction you're having, <laughs> like, <laughs> Mom? What is going on?
1: We—I've never oh. even met your mom. I've got to meet your mom now uh, and be like, "No, she's cool. I oh. loved him all along, cool. and uh, and he he rejected me over and over. Again. I'm gonna like play into that narrative <laughs> so hard. If only he yeah, had stayed fine. with me, he would still be a Christian.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh. <Aww>. <laughs> Like I'm not on any of the dating apps or anything. It's just so much work. And I don't want to have to just explain, like go through that whole process of, okay, here's my situation. Here are the people who are important in my life. Are you okay with that? It's just not worth all that effort for something that's probably not going to actualize into anything. And most of the people I have formed community with are open or poly and we know each other's situation. I know their partners and I love them and I hang out with them and they are not a threat to my relationships and I am not a threat to theirs. And I know them well and I trust them. And so it's just my friends. Yeah. And I guess the, that my type would be the stylish, creative ones. <laughs> Good. Yeah.
1: The ones that are stylish yeah. and creative. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean,
2: I, you get extra points for being stylish and creative, is, is what I'm saying.
1: Um, do I get extra points for being stylish? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I am really into Kristen Stewart. Oh, I knew that about you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm. I am Every time it. you guys mention somebody, I have to look them up because I don't know <laughs> any actors.
1: Well, Kristen Stewart is Bella Swan from the Twilight series. So Maggie, can oh, I she
3: was this?
2: so bad in that movie, though. <laughs>
3: oh,
1: don't. You she, you
3: as, as a super high compliment, she has become so weird and like, like, um, like just this owning of like who she is, and it's unique and wild.
2: They look kind yeah. of mask and queer, which is hot in all these pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, she is definitely queer. She's not. Oh,
2: okay. Well, there you go.
1: Actually, Nick, you're gonna have to read into this because I feel like um I'm real good. At doing that. You're gonna have to help me with identifying my sexual perversion uh, <laughs> uh, and whether or not it has a name because you came up with a name for putting flaccid dicks and stuff. So
2: <laughs> Pulling
1: rope, I'm going to remember that forever.
2: Pushing rope. yeah. I'm not going
1: to remember it well. <laughs> not,
0: not, you just got
2: to practice it sometime. Yeah. It's um,
1: get on that later. I, I feel like I first realized that I was attracted to women because of this like instinct I have to
2: That's called gay. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Okay.
1: I got to go. I got to go talk to my husband about some stuff. (laughs) 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 Uh, What I was going to say is because I have this instinct to uh, transmute. Another person's body onto my own, like I imagine someone else's body. So, like I like watching women in pornography because I imagine that I am the woman.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people watching porn imagine being one of those actors.
1: And so, for a really long time, I didn't realize that I was actually attracted to the women. I thought I was just, oh, I want to get banged by Edward Cullen or like, whatever. Playing, yeah. I thought I was just role playing, but then I was like, no. I want to be in the Edward Cullen position in this situation because mm. I'm very attracted to this woman. I don't know what that's, what that's about. I definitely I mean, strap
2: ons are a thing.
1: I feel a lot more tingly and- when I look at women's bodies than I do men's bodies. Just in general, are
0: beautiful women's
1: yeah. bodies. Are I mean, so not
0: that you're not beautiful, beautiful, but penises are
1: weird looking. They're They're kind of weird.
0: And you have a really nice penis. It's the only one I want, though. Yours is the only one.
2: <laughs> That's fair. Same goes for you, Nick. Yeah. yeah oh, oh sure you're, Mine lovely. is the only penis you
1: want. No, wait. What? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs>
2: Megan. <Maggie.
1: laughs> we we
0: uh, became very close very quickly.
2: Are you asking what it's called that you have tingly feelings about women? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't understand what you're asking me I'm- for.
1: I feel sexually attracted to the idea of my body in the position of another woman's body. And that being like the trigger for being attracted to that woman.
2: Oh, Hmm. Yeah. You you want to be experiencing things through her eyes and through her body. And therefore you are also attracted to them. Yes.
1: And well, and then, and then it has to do with, I want my body to feel and look like that body. Mm Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel sexy thinking about my body being another uh, woman's body. Like, I just want to like go populate other women's bodies, <laughs> mm. gay, straight, whatever. I just am really interested in other women's bodies. <laughs>
2: so. I like the word populate.
1: Yeah. Yes. I inhabit. <laughs> that does sound
2: vella, hella kinky. <laughs> I also want to populate all the women's bodies, but maybe in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> but I do sometimes even fantasize about what is that like to feel someone inside me. Yes. Uh, And I mean, I know what that feels like from the butt side of things, but you know,
1: but from from the vagina side,
2: I'm wildly fascinated what like it would be like to have a woman's body.
1: I've always thought what it would be like to ejaculate. Yeah. Not female ejaculate, but from a dick. Yeah. And I will never feel that.
0: Can I, can I ask a question about porn since I am uh, Please. not as versed? Yeah. The porn we've watched is the only time I've ever watched porn. And it is all, bless these women, they're very skinny. They're mostly bones and very sharp edges. <laughs> and then the porn goes straight to the vagina. And I'm like staring at a labia. I want a, a wide screen. With the body whole body that picture. looks like mine. So all, different than you, Maggie, I like, not that this was going to come out terribly. One of the things that I like visualizing is bodies that look like mine. Big boobs, big hips, big waist, big thighs, right? So Ashley Graham is my pinnacle of all the things. <laughs> Lizzo would be that as well. But I can't find that. And again, because we don't have a lot of time, it's not like it I can search a lot. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to like just stare at someone's vagina. Yeah. I want to like widescreen and see the whole picture. Basically Bridgerton, but more explicit. Yeah. With yeah. women that look like me. Yeah. And I, ju- I, I'm, like, I can't find this.
2: Women produced porn. I can give you some names mm. if you would like. Foreplay Films is uh, someone I work with and her stuff is great. Four Chambers is gorgeous. A lot of people consider that like some of the pinnacle of, uh, you know, just artsy femme produced stuff. I'm not sure what their body representation is like. You'd have to look that up, but I mean, I would look up maybe like women produce porn full figure or big, beautiful is another Mm -hmm. phrase that, that comes around. Yeah. Uh, And there's
0: TikTok algorithm is clutch.
2: Yeah. There might be some like OnlyFans models you could follow, like so you'll follow them directly, and mm-hmm. so then you're supporting them directly, not through their production company. Hopefully, they're making content that you would like.
0: Yeah,
2: but it will require a little bit of research.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, and I, but the I stuff mean,
2: is out there that you're looking for for sure. Yeah,
0: and it's one of those things where, like, the times where we want to watch porn, it's like you know, eleven o'clock at night. We have to be very quiet because the baby's next to us.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and so we're gonna just google search real fast what we want and then it's like mm-hmm. i don't want this this isn't what i want mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. we need to be googling at like 2 p.m <laughs> and then have it prepped and ready at 11. because <laughs> the rule yeah. in our house is actually it's 10 because if we don't have
1: sex before 10 it's not happening Porn filtering porn is very difficult i will say
2: uh and I think a lot of the suggestion i'm I'm giving you will require a subscription of some sort,
0: yes, which actually makes me feel better, right yeah. truly, because it doesn't it feels like
2: the free I'm, stuff is there for a reason, and mm-hmm. it's targeting a very specific type of person well and if which if, is very mainstream
0: yes, and if the if if sex work is valid work
2: yeah, it needs to be
0: paid for right yeah, um, and I didn't need to figure out how to honor that in a way that I haven't figured out how to yet. But that's hard, you know, even when, like talking with people in church communities, cause there's a lot of conversations about sex workers in the city and I'm like, but it's valid work. Oh, it's not, it's all exploited. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm in this one context taking this very progressive stance. And then when it's my own context, I feel like I'm taking a conservative stance. So the audience I'm with feels like it shifts. So I feel confused about my own engagement with sex work still. And I think that'll evolve and change, but it just takes time. So 10 years from now, let's do another podcast. We can figure out what's changed in 10 years.
1: And that just reminded me of earlier how you said I don't necessarily want to be who I was 10 years ago. And I imagine that, oh man, I, like I used to write songs and perform songs and I can't even, I cannot listen to those recordings. I feel so humiliated. And so maybe we'll come back 10 years from now and be like, remember that dumb podcast, but (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and just put on
0: Facebook right now. Like I love porn. And then in 10 years, I'm going to screenshot the memory and send it to you.
1: Good. Good. I'm going to. I'm going to write on Facebook. Uh, Kristen Stewart is my body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in her body. She's in my body. We you should search
2: one. for Christian porn. That would be funny. <gasps> what is Christian porn? Do you know, uh, is it Larry Flynn, the hustler guy? There was a stretch where he became Christian and then only would shoot straight scenes.
1: Oh, interesting. It's
2: from the movie, like way back.
1: Can I take a deviation for a minute and no. ask, um, how? when did you realize that you were a part of an evangelical church in the way that evangelical is now? I'm asking that because you were talking about Larry Flint becoming a Christian. When did you figure out that the denomination or the representation of your church was evangelical? In the way that secular people view evangelical.
2: Like in the conservative political sense? I guess that's the way I think of it now, (laughs) even though that doesn't have to be part of the definition.
3: Yeah. Because I mean, like in one sense, thinking about the churches that I've been a member of, in one sense, I would say I've never gone to a evangelical church in that sense. I mean, the closest was probably the church I grew up in, but again, it was in the context of church, pretty middle of the road. To people outside of church, they it would have been appropriate to call it conservative. But if you actually looked at what a, a truly conservative church position was, no, it affirmed women in ministry. And so like, mm-hmm. therefore it was not a conservative evangelical church. But I would say that I've been more surprised by the ways in which I've come to understand in the last probably Five years for sure, but 10 years, the the lines where you can be a very, quote-unquote, liberal or, quote-unquote, even progressive church community and still have very conservative sexual ethics. And so people can make a lot of assumptions about a given church that don't actually hold true across a lot of intersections.
2: Can we... Define terms real quick. So evangelical. Yep.
1: Defining terms, you have to sing the jingle because what? Uh, we've had people ask that you sing the jingle every time you define terms. You wrote a jingle the first time you said defining terms.
2: Oh, really? I don't remember.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, right, here we go. Defining terms. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it that it's spreading the gospel basically, and that it's an assumption that everyone should have a relationship with Jesus?
3: yeah I, are we I, are we
2: on the same page about that and I have been at church- and usually that involves conservative politics, but yes. it doesn't necessarily need to
3: I've been at churches right. where that that has been expressed in this kind of like guys, aren't we all evangelical really <laughs> and that I have found is more of a naive understanding of what the yeah the political reality of the church is
1: well that's i I think that's why I brought it up as the idea of. You guys are identifying as Christian and for a lot of people who don't know the nuances of the difference between politically evangelical and saying you're Christian, it's like we're all lumped into one big category. All Mm -hmm. Christians are Christians, whether or not they're politically evangelical or not. So I feel like obviously the word evangelical has been co-opted by a political group. Um, Largely
3: doesn't attend church.
1: Right. <laughs> right.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, that sounds right.
1: <laughs> and have what is it? A low view of scripture versus a high view of scripture. Mm-hmm. And
2: um, oh, what is that?
3: What like is the low versus high view?
1: How much you can give a shit about
0: well,
2: it. Oh,
3: okay. It's
1: how much
0: it influences your day to day life, truly.
3: And how you feel about specific terms like inerrancy, infallibility, truth.
0: Infallibility and inerrancy aren't found in the Bible. So. Those are labels we've added to our view of scripture. Just
1: like traditional Christian marriage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Biblical sexual ethics.
2: And so uh, yeah. a high high view would be a lot more strict and fundamentalist?
0: Mm, not necessarily. Or is it the I other way around? Or more the reverence, right? So like it's the reverence and how I engage with it in my day to day. Like this is part of my faith practice okay. versus a low yeah. view of scripture would be like, I really only demand that the 10 commandments be on the courthouse. But other than that, I don't actually care,
1: which I feel like has been a lot of my experience in churches in the last few years is this soundbite view of scripture of like, I'm going to grab the bit that suits my purpose right now, which is goes back to my feeling of maybe scripture should not be preached. Not maybe I don't think scripture should should be preached, but we shouldn't just use scripture to meet our needs at any given point. Because that takes the reverence out of it.
0: Can I ask either for a clarifying question on that, Maggie? Yeah. Defining uh, terms, and- boop, boop. Would you put that in the context only of the larger community? So like if it was being preached on a Sunday morning to a large community where you didn't know a person's specific situation, you're just like applying these principles across
1: 200 people
0: and saying you have to adopt these, would that be the same in your view of like a one-on-one conversation?
1: No, I think there's a value for scripture in small groups, in small discussion groups, and in personal reflection. Mm -hmm. But when it's one person or even like a few people giving their interpretation of a scripture to a large group of people and saying, believe me, because there's so many people who have a low view of scripture and just take it whatever someone says at face value and say like, I got my Sunday fix. I heard the word of God and I heard it from someone who I think is a good person. So I'm going to take that and run with it. And now I'm going to go abuse other people with my faith. That to me feels like a very low view of scripture. Mm-hmm. So that would be my addendum to a definition of low versus high view of scripture. I'm going to,
0: Tell you guys a story. It's always good when you start a story by telling you you're going to tell a story. Um, I was on. I have a a, story for you. I have a
2: story. (laughs) Story. Listen to my joke. I'm about to tell. It's going to be a really funny (laughs) joke.
0: You better laugh. (laughs) Um, I was on staff at a church a few years ago, and by a few years ago, I mean over a decade ago. And I have often been the person in a work environment or kind of community environment that's not my church environment, where it's like, oh, you're the one Christian that I actually kind of like. I'm not an asshole, basically. If, so when people say, Christians are mistreated in this country, I'm like, yeah, because you're an asshole. Like, that's really what it comes down to. And I just try not to be an asshole. Sometimes I am. Ask my kids. They would tell you. Yes, she is. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I am going to ask your kids. <laughs> <he's asking laughs> is mom an uh, asshole? <laughs> he will tell you. Yep, mom totally is an asshole. <laughs> but I was on staff at this church and I worked at medical insurance provider. And in the course of working there, I made all these friends. And one of the friends I made was Polly, Wicca, and I w- he would say pagan. Uh, she would say pagan, they have transitioned. I was friends with this person, they were interested. And then over the course of our like four year relationship, they decided they wanted to learn more about Jesus. And I was like, great, let's do that. But I knew that they could not attend my Southern Baptist church because they would be unsafe right? Like that is not a safe place for this person to find out more about Jesus beyond the relationship that I had with them. And so I helped them find a different church. I got in trouble as a staff member for helping them find a Lutheran church, because it was not a Bible believing church. Maybe it was Anglican, Episcopalian. Now I can't remember. It's been 10 years, but because I did not send them to a Bible believing church, I got in trouble as a staff member. Because it's like, they are not going to be safe in this environment to have someone who's just interested in learning more about Jesus. Southern Baptists are not for you. <laughs> Let's find <laughs> you a place where you can be safe. I wasn't necessarily trying to convert this person. I wanted them to know Jesus because I have found meaning in Jesus. And if they found meaning in Jesus, like, that's great. Let's explore that. And if it doesn't serve them, I'm not not going to be friends with them. Right. But for the church i was a part of the evangelical church i was a part of at the time and even the church that i have been part of most recently i don't know that that is the best place for people who just want to learn about jesus and not make a commitment to that and that's where i feel like that evangelical term is the trickiest one to nail down like
3: i
2: have a question about that If you have concerns about the community that you're a part of not being a safe place for people that you care about and support, bring the question. Yes. What? uh, Where? Where is the line? At what point do you bail on that community? Mm -hmm. And I understand if you're working, like you got to make money Mm -hmm. and you got to make and that complicates things. But like,
0: or or you just quit?
2: (laughs) Or you? Yeah. Been like
0: six or eight years of leadership.
1: Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: That's been our struggle for, I would say three years, three solid years has been that question exactly. This has become a growing concern that our community is not safe for people who are not already here or look like us or believe like us or think like us. And I think we've spent a lot of years trying to make change internally and be internal combustors to that change and is becoming increasingly more a reality that that is not possible. Mm -hmm. And so we are distancing ourselves from that community. Mm. Um, Now we are retaining the relationships that make sense that do hold the same values. Our closest friendships are still people we met in that community. We are raising our kids together through COVID. They have been the people that keep us sane, but it does not make sense for us to continue giving our money, giving our time, giving our energies to that particular community. And, I'm struggling to see where that is a possibility. The more I learn about church overall in, let's just say the Seattle context, is there a church that would make sense for that? And I don't know. There are churches who are queer affirming. Jonathan had a friend call him out of the blue and we met with them. They were like, I've just moved here, I'm gay. I don't know where to, go to church because i'm reformed and i have this reformed theology that informs my way i approach scripture and what i believe about jesus and so i want to attend a church that is reformed theologically and accepts me for being gay and that venn diagram is basically non-existent and that's a little bit of where we fall too. we hold to pretty high view of scripture hold to the reality of jesus in a way that Again, that same therapist was like, well, just become Unitarian Universalist. I was like, so you really don't understand about (laughs) about (laughs) how denominations work because that doesn't fit my framework of belief. And yet I still want a place where people can be no matter what their beliefs are. So it's a tension. It's a real hard place and it has had real life implications.
1: I I think that that's a conversation that I feel like I've had so many times in the last four or five years is can this thing be deconstructed from the inside and have an impact on the community as a whole? And I think one of the things that's really missing is strong leadership. And that's a a challenging, (laughs) a challenging phrase even to say, because strong leadership it looks very different from a lot of different people. I just think people who have influence who are brave enough to take people in a direction that those people might not be comfortable with and people who are willing to follow someone who might take them in a direction they're uncomfortable with. And I have not seen that be possible yet. I haven't seen it happen. I haven't seen someone who's been brave enough to say, Hey, large group of people, I have some different thoughts and I want you to follow with me (laughs) as I explore those different thoughts. And I have seen that happen, but I've seen people say, I'm not interested in those thoughts. I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable. And then the other way around, I've seen leaders who have said, I am too worried that I'm going to lose my influence if I take this different route. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stay where I'm at and hope that these conversations about changing and reforming stop happening.
0: And can I pinpoint that when you say influence, I think you also mean income. And if yes. we could strip away the tie from income to caring about a community, I think mm-hmm. we could actually see change happen in our local churches because mm-hmm. when people are contingent on a certain number of what's the term? Giving giving bo- units in units a community, <laughs> like they're not going to make waves because they don't want to upset people. Right. Is a giving unit
2: like how much money each person gives? Uh, you know, so it's like
0: we're a giving unit. Yeah, our household uh, is a giving okay. unit. Okay,
2: and that's like the tithing. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: Doesn't it make you want to throw up?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like, if there was some way to divorce income from shepherding, the shepherding part of pastoring, I feel like we could see some real change. But our seminaries aren't set up for that. As someone who went to seminary, like it's not, it is not designed to do that for you. Mm -hmm. The whole institution is designed to put people on a pathway towards career that pays money. And then you are tied to preaching and teaching in many ways. To people people who agree with you. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And that's not true across the board. We know that there are anomalies and examples of that not happening. But by and large, I think... That is a huge part of the issue. Mm
2: -hmm. Are there, I imagine there's some experimental churches that don't tithe, but we also also haven't heard of them because they're probably, I mean, there's also,
3: it doesn't solve all the problems, but you know, you have denominations like the United Methodist church that gets around some of that by just having everyone be employed by the, by the national church. And Mm -hmm. then you're moved around. And so your income and livelihood isn't contingent on what the people in your church believe about you, <laughs> You, 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 you they, they sometimes send people to churches to fix a problem, which it can be good. If like, here's a church that is dealing with the fallout of a bad racial incident. So we're going to send some, we're going to send a new pastor to that church who has the skills and training to lead this community into a healthier direction. And the church doesn't have to go looking for someone to do that. They just get that person. But the UMC is also splitting in two over LGBT inclusion.
2: Well, that is a huge can of worms.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, how do you institute change and uh, who do you support?
1: Mm-hmm. Can we shove those floppy worms back into their. <laughs> 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 we
0: even yeah. joked about the fact that, like, so so telling our parents that we weren't going to attend church anymore or at least our particular church (laughs) has been more scary than the thought of me telling that i'm bi (laughs) Mm. (laughs) and yet i still haven't done that but we were like what we really i mean what we want is to like talk to people about jesus and be part of people's community and love people and be there for people and provide friendship and where that intersects with spiritual needs we'll do that too and my mom immediately was like, oh, that's house church. And so like, she had to put it in a box. Right. Like, like that's I what... know what this is. And that's been, I think the trickiest part is like, we want something that we don't know exists or how it works, but we know that what has been given to us so far is not working.
3: My dad was very into that conversation.
0: He was. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah that's true. I just had this realization that once I stopped really tying financial gain to ministry is a lot more fun and a lot more a lot more meaningful because you were talking about the career path and the need for people to buy in financially in order for pastors to keep their jobs. And I do get paid by the small church that I do music for on Sundays, but (laughs) but it's a very secondary and almost unnecessary amount of money. (laughs) I don't feel any need to influence the people in my community. I'm just there to do music that people want to sing along to. And that's great. And it's such a relief. It's such a relief to not feel like I have to try and influence anybody or try and gain respect or trust or so that I can keep my job. It's a totally different world.
0: Well, and you've dealt with that a little bit too, because we've, so Jonathan's continued to play both with you, Maggie, at your current church and the church we've been part of for 10 years but it's like how do you separate out like I hear these things that I don't agree with or I don't love the direction they're going but I'm here just to do something that brings me joy which is play music because you can just be there and do the thing and then kind of clock out emotionally which is very different than I think how we were raised in the church that you have to like give your all and like to be fully in and like are you paying attention to the spirit at every second and moment so I think that's still part of something that we're learning how to Navigate through mm-hmm. and how does that feel? And obviously, global paninis make it a different game. You know? <laughs> uh, Do you mean global pandemies? <laughs> pandemies, paninis, panda
1: expresses. Get on the TikToks,
0: Meg. Yeah, Get on the t- TikTok. T- it's
3: a TikTok thing.
1: Global paninis. Guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I let me just affirm though that I have had two children also and my libido went down significantly after my second child too. So for any of those women out there who are by in a hetero marriages who have two children and are who, on Zoloft <laughs> and on Zoloft and on Zoloft who have lost their libido.
0: <laughs> we see you. We see you. We feel you. We feel you. You are one of us. i'd be curious to know if men's libidos go down after uh having babies like after their partners have babies or or women like any a partner does the partner ever experience a decreased libido uh
1: i had a a male friend ask me recently if my vagina was like a wizard sleeve and (laughs) 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 And I was (laughs) was offended at the use of of a a wizard's garment. I do wonder if maybe things have changed and that could impact libido in some way. Of your partner? Yeah. If the partner of someone who has given vaginal birth might change their... Anyway. Yeah. Also, postpartum depression happens for partners, too
0: yes and it sucks yeah because you're tired and who's yeah. thinking about sexy times when you're changing shitty diapers all day long
1: okay
2: all thanks right. for
0: having us nick and maggie
1: this we was a damn guys. delight
2: you're very welcome i yeah, hope some fun. of
1: it was usable <laughs> thanks, thanks for representing christianity
2: <laughs> totally you can always do a yeah. call
0: in you are gonna be like i just need to ask a christian question of these two
1: yeah we're gonna ask weirdos
0: oh yeah you'll be
2: our our call a christian
1: Oh, call a christian is such a good idea we're doing it (laughs) oh you guys thank you thanks for having us
2: yeah yeah and thanks to our listeners for coming by and spending some time with us you're amazing
1: And if you have questions, you can send them to the email address that I'll at some point put it at the end of this. Uh, would that
2: be on our website? Maybe. Yeah. We would, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah.
1: If you have questions oh, that you okay. want us to cover, like or subject matter that you would like us to cover, mm-hmm. send us send us yeah. a uh, note.
2: We we could even do a question and answer thing if we get a whole bunch of them.
1: Yes.
0: Just yes. Answer
2: yes. listener emails.
0: It definitely yeah. is like Loveline. Wow. That's like
2: love line. Oh yeah, LoveLine. Ask us for advice. Ask us for good fun. advice for the best Christian about
1: advice. religion or sexuality or, or pornography because apparently or
2: about any scary. spirituality. Yeah, about yep. pornography. Yeah, we've got a porn Hold expert. Yeah, right. we can cover all sorts of bases. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.
1: Uh, love you. Love y'all. Love Take you care. All. You're pretty and we like Have you. Have a
2: great night. Okay. Right. Bye. 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 I was sitting in the- Who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl, what's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone?